Now we're going to pick yeah. Ephesians. Okay. Now. It was a false start. Yeah. So. so the reason that I wanted to, we, I guess, wanted to is um, at convention, Jamie and I had the privilege of going to Foursquare Convention in May, the end of May. Tammy Dunahue, who's been our president um, of Foursquare for U.S., uh, said, I preached more out of the book of Ephesians than any other book. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. We don't. And she said, because there's more in Ephesians about what we believe and how to live out church than any other book. She's like, there's more in Ephesians about how to operate and live in community than any other book. And so I was intrigued. And so I came home and I opened up Ephesians and I started reading it. And I was like, let's do Ephesians. And he's like, okay. So that's why I want to do Ephesians. Uh, I think, one, it caught my attention because right now, I think the church is like, how do we do church, right? Like, how do we do church? It's kind of struggling church. And um, also the relational aspect of Ephesians. Ephesians is a lot about how to interact relationally. And I would say after COVID, we're on a struggle bus to relate to one another emotionally. So I think that's a good place for us to to land and to be. Yeah, I was going to say that you know, the reason I felt like this was really important, it really ties into what you're just saying, is the announcements. Like, I think that we often think of the announcement time as a throwaway time. It's an extension of our meet and greet time. And that's why many of us hang out in the hallway during the <laughs> announcements and we come back and we don't know what's going on at church. But church is really kind of two parts. It's, it's theology, right? It's knowing God. It's knowing about God and who God is and how that affects our lives. But it's also loving your neighbor as yourself and knowing one another. And how do we do that? in a culture that is so individualistic and so divided and in a church where we have people on the extreme right and the extreme left and everybody in between. Um, how do we do that honestly without avoiding conversations? And how do we love each other in the midst of that? And that's Ephesians really gets to a lot of that. It's a super practical book. Half of it is, is theology. This is what we believe. And because we believe this, this is how we live in community. And so I was like, man, this is for us right now. This is what we need. That's what I was thinking. That's why I wanted to do Ephesians. So to begin with, we were going to look at the author, which is Paul. Um, Paul wrote 13 letters. He wrote many of them while he was in prison. Um, he just like highlights about Paul. Like they, if, if you grew up in the church, you might be like, I, I know this. I've, I've heard this. But if you're not, I think you really need to know who the author is and a little bit about Paul or it's just, it's just not going to make sense. So who is Paul? Paul is a Jew. He is a Jewish believer. Um, Paul became a believer by a miraculous experience that is highlighted in Acts 9, 22, and 26. And I sometimes just think they're fun to read, just to like see how Paul came to faith again. I just enjoy reading it. I was learning this week, we often say these are Paul's conversion like these are Paul's conversion experiences. And, um, and one of the commentaries was saying this is not the accurate way to say it because what it sounds like is we're saying is Paul was a Jew and now he's a Christian. Like when you say he converted. But actually, Paul was a Jew. Paul had this experience and Paul is still a Jew. So he is, he is still a Jew. And that is how... Paul would have seen himself. He wouldn't have seen himself, well, now I'm a Christian, and I was a Jew. 
So um, I think it's important for us to, to realize that. Let's see, what else was I think it was important to know about Paul? Well, I'm going to tell you why Paul's hard for me. <laughs> I'm going to tell you why I struggle with Paul, and I don't think I am alone. So um, one thing that makes Paul reading Paul difficult in our modern culture is you're reading Paul, and he's talking about blessings, and he's talking about prayer, and he's talking about thankfulness, and he's talking about patience, and then he talks about demonic rulers and powers, and depending on where you're from, depending on where you've lived in the world, like if Leary was here, he'd be like, well, duh, and he would, from Africa, I completely understand, but most of us in this culture would be like, when I think of power, I think of my electric bill, so I wonder, what, I wonder what this means. And I even shared last week in Ephesians 6 when he talks about the principalities. Sometimes I have a hard time, like, what are you talking about? I have a hard time understanding where is evil like, coming at us. So it can be hard culturally to read Paul because we are so far removed from some of those cultures. The second reason that I struggle to read Paul, and I don't think I am alone, I know I'm not alone, is Paul talks about sex marriage, and gender. And you might come... And to be clear, he's single. And he's single. <laughs> he's never been married, and he talks about it quite a bit. And he says, um, so depending where you're from in the world, you might read and be like, well, yes, this affirms how I operate. This is affirms how I think about these things, sex, gender. And in our modern world, many people can read it, and you kind of find yourself a bit enraged at Paul. And you're trying to make sense of it, and you spend a lot of time being like, what are you saying? Are you really saying what I think you're saying? So that's another struggle that I've had with Paul. And then a third struggle that I've had with um, reading and understanding Paul is sometimes if you grow up in a religious community, you have read the letters so many times that it's like in the year and out the other. You're like, I have heard this so many times. And so the struggle is to let the message speak to you, to let it be fresh, to let it be like news to you, like you're encountering the words for the first time. That's a struggle with coming to Paul. Do you want to trade back? Yeah, and, and I, I agree with all three of those things that I read Paul and have read Paul. I mean, I've been a Christian most of my life. Like, I was baptized when I was eight. And so I've been reading these books and memorizing these verses since I was a little, little kid. And I can tell you, Paul is confusing. He, he just, it's, there's so much in here that is bound in its culture and in its day, and we are separated so far from it that it's like, oh, I don't understand what he's saying. And so you have to dig and have to do work to really understand Paul. Um, so I totally agree with that. And then when it comes to, to women and the role of women in the church, the role of women in the home and things like that, again, there's so much this culture bound that, that feels so black and white for Paul, mm -hmm. which I don't think he ever intended it that way. But in our modern culture, in our modern way of reading, becomes so, so black and white that we, it winds up becoming damaging to, to the church and to women. And so we got, I knew a pastor who said, I wish that the people in the third century had decided that Paul was not canonical, which means not scriptural, that this should not be here. You're like, just, if we could just cut that, those, those 13 books out or so, 
then the Bible would be perfect. That's what he said. The pastor said this. I'm like, oh, that's not a good idea. We can't, we can't go doing that um, just because we don't like what he has to say, but we do have to wrestle with it. His, his words can be harmful to, can. to women. I knew a female missionary who's like, I just skip Paul um, because it can be difficult. So we're going to take the time when we get to those passages. We're going to dig in and we're going to look at them as best we can. And it's helpful to know like N.T. Wright is like the foremost theologian of our day. And I, I quote him quite a bit. And he says, I sure wish I could sit down with Paul. And I, Paul his is, is his area of expertise. So I really wish I could sit down with Paul and ask him just kind of what he actually meant about some of these passages. He's like, I do my best. But I just really, Paul, why did you have to say it like this? So I think we're in good company. If N.T. writes there, if I'm like, what are you saying? Yeah, he so. can come off as a jerk. And yeah, it's, it's interesting. So there is some humanity in how Scripture is written. It's not just God going, Bleh. you know, it's not some blind writing like this, God just directing somebody's hand. It's a conversation between a human being and God and in Holy Spirit. And it, what has, uh, we've been left with has been in Holy Spirit inspired, and we have to wrestle. So we're going to do that with Ephesians. And then that last one about just everything, we've all known this. We all have read Ephesians chapter 4. We all know. Um, you know, if you've been in church, you've just heard it over and over again. Um, but I've been really impressed that the, I have recently, several times, have come to Bible studies with people and I said, hey, this is a familiar passage, so let's just pretend for half a minute that we've never heard it before and see what God does. And when we do, like people are going, oh, I've never seen that before. The Holy Spirit's speaking fresh. So we want to do that with this book as well. It's so familiar, and yet we want to hear the Holy Spirit speak fresh for us today in 2023, Pullman, Washington, in whatever seat you happen to be sitting in, this is God's word for you. So would you just pray with me for half a second that we could do that as we start to engage this book? So Father, we pray for new eyes. We pray that your spirit would enliven us as we read uh, these English words printed in, in modern ink on a modern page, that we would hear the ancient truth, the eternal truth of your love for us, and that we would understand at a greater and greater level of just what that love for us means for us here and now and how we can love one another. Shape us as we read your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to start by reading uh, Ephesians chapter 1, and we're going to read verses 1 through 14. We didn't decide who was going to do that. Want to arm wrestle, or do you want to rock, paper, scissors, or do you want to just do it? (laughs) I'll read it. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places just as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless. Before him in love, he destined us for adoption as his children through Jesus Christ, according to the good pleasure of his will to the praise of his glorious grace that he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, 
the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and insight. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure that he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to gather up all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In Christ we have also obtained an inheritance, having been destined according to the purpose of him who accomplishes all things according to his counsel and will, so that we who are the first to set our hope on Christ might live for the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you have heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and have believed in him, were marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. This is the pledge of our inheritance toward redemption as God's own people to the praise of his glory. Amen. Amen. So our note plan was that we were going to go back and forth about some of the things that we saw in this text today that we thought were important for us. Um, do you remember what one of yours was? Yeah. Good. Yeah, totally. So interesting, I noticed when I was reading this time, Paul starts his books often with like a, a blessing, like a greeting. And this one's very short compared to a lot of them. And I realized that I usually just kind of skip them. You know, because they're so familiar and they're very similar that I just kind of skip them. One thing that I, I like to do to make the scriptures come alive and fresh again is I read them in a different translation. I love to read the message, so I'll read it here. And then I also read it this week in the message, and I read it again. We've been reading the First Nations version together. So I read it. Oh, my notes! <laughs> Hooray. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm okay. So I read it this week, the greeting in the First Nations Bible, and it stopped me, and I would like to read that to you. This is verse 2. Great kindness and peace to you from the Father above and from Jesus, who is the chosen one. Great kindness and peace to you from the Father Paul can come across a little bit strong and a little bit harsh in the way I see him. But when I read Paul's heart here is for us to receive God's kindness and peace. I thought if we could focus more here in this church on God's kindness and peace for us. I think we would be a place where people wanted to be. I think if we could focus more on God's kindness and peace in a world that's kind of tearing each other apart, we could get closer back to what Jesus intended. And it caught my eye that sometimes I don't experience Paul's writing as kindness and peace, but I think that's what he actually intends us to experience. And I don't think we are experiencing him correctly. And so I just wanted us to remember that that's why we're really here. It's at the beginning of all Paul's greetings. We believe that God is kind. And in a world that is full of a lack of peace, I believe what God really wants for us as we move through our days and the hard weeks and the easy weeks is God's 
peace. And so Paul is praying that over us. And I just wanted to draw our eyes to that. As I was reading the, the passage, because this is kind of how we do it. We're like, okay, we're going to start in Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to do 1 through 14. And then we just read it over and over and over again and start writing notes and things that stand out and what the Holy Spirit's bringing to life. And I was just, I just had this sense of like, and you told me not to say it this way, but this is, this, she, she did, she got, she was like, you can't say it that way. And I'm like, the problem is, this is how I say it. And so I'm going to say it. As I read this, I was just captivated by the reality that God is really, really, really good and really, really, really kind. And we throw that thing around. We say, oh, God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. And it's just passe and it's trite. And that's what she didn't want me to say. But I don't know any other way to say it. The, the, the reality is God, this God that Paul is presenting us with through Jesus Christ is a God that has given us every blessing, not even once. In fact, later he says more than we could ask or imagine. So it's not even it's beyond our imagination. Every blessing that God could think up to give the God who created the universe, right? The God who worked out quantum mechanics, the God who worked out nuclear fission, the God who worked out the creation of a tree and the intricacies of the human heart and the human mind is imagining blessings for us. And it says that he has given us every blessing imaginable, that we are never incomplete in Christ, that we are completely whole and he has given us everything. And I was just like, and it's according to God's good pleasure, <laughs> He is so good and so kind, and yet we get so caught up in who is right and who is wrong and which is the way we should do this and that and who should vote for this, and, who, and we become unkind with one another. And I think you're right. If we could just, I don't know, I keep thinking about a bag of chicken and marinating juices. If we could just literally imagine ourselves sitting in that goodness and kindness, what would come out the other end is so good, so much better than the world that our, our culture is creating. Um, and I think that's what Paul is trying to get us to get theologically, but also at that heart level. That God is just so good. He really is so, so good. And we sing it. That's why we sang it today. That was well said. Did I say it right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And, and um, Paul is teaching us this um, in the first verses. It's, a, it's actually a poem. I never, I never knew that this was a poem because when I read it in my Bible, it doesn't look like a poem um, when it's translated over. But I think it's important to know that it's a poem because these verses are, poems are layers, right? They're layered and there's more than one meaning. And, and so, and I think it's really cool that Paul started a letter with a poem. This guy is brilliant. So he starts with a poem and then he goes to a prayer. Um, but the way we receive that goodness is in him. So in Christ, in the first like 10, 8, 8 verse, 11 verses, it says like in Christ, like 10 times, in Christ. And I think this is so important for Paul because Paul was a Jew. He didn't, before this, he didn't believe that this was in Christ. It was just God. And so he's telling the people over and over again, this is in Christ. You receive this in Christ. Christ. Like, he really wants them to get it. But Paul also, what I love is Paul teaches really well on the Trinity. So Paul introduces the Trinity often very quickly, like right into the beginning of his letters, and he does so here. And he says, it's in Christ that we come to God. 
That is, that is the route, he's saying, that you get to God. And then at the end, he says, it's through the Holy Spirit. That is the way it works. You come from Jesus to God through the Holy Spirit, which you are marked with. Do you imagine yourself ever that way? Like, I believe this. I am marked. I am sealed. I am covered with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit moves with me as I move through the world and gives me the power to actually understand this mystery. I love also he uses the word mystery. And it goes through the scriptures because I think if we're really honest, it is a mystery. I can tell you what I believe. I can tell you that I believe that Jesus died. I believe that he rose again. I believe that he conquered death, and it's a little bit of a mystery. Have you ever seen anybody do that? Have you ever heard of anybody else doing that? And in one way, you just have to admit, it's a bit of a mystery. And so I really appreciate Paul. He goes through Ephesians, and he calls it a mystery. Because really, it can't be understood just with human logic. It doesn't really make sense. I love that you really highlighted the, the, the picture that Paul is painting in this first poem of, of who we are in Christ. You know, we're beloved, we're adopted, we're predestined. We're going to talk about that in a bit. But we are destined for adoption, and there's all these huge, massive things. But as a poem, Paul is layering something, and he's trying to create a, a feeling. And you, as you read the poem, you feel like, wow, it's so amazing what I have in Christ. And then there's this there's a dissonance in you, more than likely. There's a dissonance in me that goes, but wait a minute. I don't feel very adopted. I don't feel very marked by the Holy Spirit right now. What I feel like is that I'm bound up in pride. I don't like to say that I'm wrong. It's my spiritual gift is being wrong, but my love language is being right. So that tension is there all the time. And I, I don't feel like I have been blessed with every blessing. What I see is that there's trials and hardships and there's difficult decisions and people I love are hurting and that this world is a mess sometimes and, and I'm anxious. I don't feel all of these things. And the question is, which one is right? What Paul is saying or what I feel? And here's the answer both. Paul is inviting us to hold a tension between sinner and saint, between broken and whole. And we live in this space in between that through Christ, we are all of these things, that we have every blessing, that we are complete, that there is nothing we are lacking, that we've been sealed by the Holy Spirit. But we live in a world that is dominated by sin and brokenness. And our own stories, our own scripts, our own family histories leave us in this broken space. And we are moving from broken to whole. And in the in-between, we live in a tension. Now, why is tension important? My guitar over here is a great example. Um, I put a string in there, and I put one end in the, the hole at the end by the bridge, and the other end goes up the neck into a tuner. And when I pull the tuner and I turn it, what happens is that string goes into tension between two points, and when it is in the right tension, held in the right place, it makes beautiful music. That's the tension we're invited to as well. And what happens if we let go of that tension? We either live on the one side where we are per perfect and whole and holy all the time, and we're not living in reality because we're not acknowledging the sin in our hearts. We're not acknowledging our brokenness. We're just like, oh, I'm so good. I'm so happy all the time. And we ignore the pain of the world. And God wants us to be firmly rooted and established in this world because otherwise we're no earthly good. 
The other side of that tension is that we can just let go of the goodness of God and, and what he has done for us, and we can just live in this, I'm broken, I'm so bad, I'm so awful. Like, historically, that's led to people beating themselves. It's led to burnings at the stake. It's led to all sorts of terrible things. In our day and age today, though, we may not beat ourselves physically. We may not cut ourselves. We may not, you know, hurt other people physically. But we see ourselves from the perspective of just our brokenness, and we can have self-hate. We can say, I'm just an awful person. I'm just a terrible, prideful person. If it wasn't for Jesus, you know, we'll say, if it wasn't for Jesus, but really the focus is just how bad I am. We have to hold attention. We are both a sinner and a saint. We make mistakes. We blow it all the time. But in Christ, we are sealed by His Spirit, and we are gifted and anointed, and we are adopted into sonship and daughtership. Sonship is a universal term here. It's both of us. We are his sons and daughters. And so while we may be broken, we also hold on to this tension on the other side. And when we hold the tension correctly as a community, and Jesus has got his fingers on the strings in just the right places, and he strums that guitar, guess what happens? It's beautiful music. So that's the invitation here, one of the invitations. That was... You're thinking about what you're saying next, but also no. what I was saying, huh? Yeah, I actually got lost in what you were saying. It reminded me of, um, I don't think it's easy to, to know where to, to be on that spectrum. Because have you ever read, like, Parker Palmer? He's a Quaker, and it's so interesting because you read it, and he is all about the goodness of man and the beauty. And he kind of, he doesn't necessarily look or teach or look towards the sinfulness of man. Like, I kind of found it really different reading him. He just kind of highlights the, the goodness of humanity. And then have you read, like, um, Frederick Buechner and, or, um, or Martin? And, and, they're, and it's, like, this other spectrum. And these are both, like, brilliant thinkers and Christian philosophers. And, and I'm sitting there going, where, where, where do I sit? But I read Frederick Buechner, and I'm like, ugh, like, it's kind of... It's kind of heavy. And then I read Parker Palmer, and I think, well, I don't think it's correct, but I think it's maybe a more beautiful place to land looking at the goodness. Does that make, like, the, the tension? Like, at the middle place is a hard place to be. But I was like, if I'm going to land anywhere, Parker Palmer's... You're going to be out of balance. You're going to be out of balance. <laughs> I want to be out of balance. Yeah, maybe some of you are like, I'd prefer to be out of balance yeah, on the other I, side. I lean the other direction, but I don't I'm an Eeyore, so... I don't know. So, yeah. What was your next thing? Um, I don't have a whole lot more. Yeah. I wanted to encourage you to read Ephesians. I wanted to encourage you to read it. It takes about a half hour to read it. And Tim Mackey, he's with the Bible Project. He's like, half hour to read it and a lifetime to unpack it. So, and I thought, oh, that's, that's good. If you aren't familiar with the Bible Project, this is a little plug. I love the Bible Project. And he has a section called Bible Classroom. So if you go to the Bible Project and Bible Classroom, it's seminary level classes on certain books of the Bible. And I was super excited to find out he had one on Ephesians. So if if you would love to dig deeper, he is a phenomenal Bible teacher, um, and I, I recommend it. Um, so, 
I, the only other thing that really stood out that I have in my notes, aside from going to our final prayer, was that word predestined yeah. or destined. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was important that we address it right out of the gate um, because this is part of Paul's confusing language. He uses this word destined or predestined. And you know, a good intellectual, which there's a lot of them in this town, is going to go, but hey, wait a minute, what about free will? How does this work? You know, are some people predestined for destruction? Are some people predestined for salvation? How does me having a choice and all of that matter? It says that we are destined for adoption. Uh, there was another destined in here, and I lost it. I didn't underline it in this because I had it on a piece of paper. But, uh, yeah, destined according to his purpose to accomplish all things according to his counsel and will. I mean, there's all this, like, that God has made this purpose for us. And I think it's important for us to wrestle just a little bit with this because our theology on predestination and destiny will affect how we live our lives and how we treat other people. If we believe that there are some of us that have just been chosen for whatever reason God has, and some of us that have not been chosen, those of us who believe that we are chosen will universally treat those who have not been chosen very poorly. We will, see, we will treat them as outsiders. We will treat them as lepers. We will treat them as, as people that aren't love, loved by God, and so I don't have to love them either. The destiny that Paul is talking about here in this context, he is saying we, and the we is the royal we. He is referring to humans. He is saying humans have been predestined according to God's purpose for this thing. And he says out of all creation, humans were predestined for this. What he's saying is, God could have chosen the dogs, okay? Because the dogs are super loyal. You know, dogs are super loyal to their masters. They don't just, you come home, the dog is right at the door, and the dog is so excited. And I kind of think, man, I wish I could come to worship, you know, Jesus like Dexter meets me at the door. I wish I had the same sense of excitement for the presence of God that Dexter has for my presence. I wish that I wanted to sit in God's lap every time God stopped and sat down as much as Dexter wants to sit on my lap. I wish I had that level of loyalty and desire for my God. But God didn't choose the dogs. God could have chosen, uh, he could have chosen what? I had another one I had thought of that was really kind of interesting. But anyway, he could, out of all creation, he could have chosen anything. He could have chosen trees. He could have chosen fish, very short memory. He could have, you know, all of these things he could have chosen. But he said, no, I choose human beings. Before he created them, he chose them to be adopted and invited into the Trinity, which is a really, I'm like, this is a place I really keep my brain around. You got God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, hanging out mutually together, you know, bending to each other's will and love and joy, and they're saying, we want to create humans to come and join us in the midst of this. They're not going to be God, and yet they're going to be a part of this relationship. And he invites us into that, all of us. And then we get to choose whether or not we are part of that. We get to choose whether or not we are sealed by the Holy Spirit. We get to choose whether or not we are the, uh, we, we receive his affection, even though we are the object of his affection. If we hold that tension again and remember that all humans have been destined for this, it changes how we start seeing people. It starts changing how the, 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 the gal down at the bus stop who is, you know, all tatted up on her face and her head is shaved and she's pierced all over and she looks scary and she looks sad and broken and hurt. You don't see that as a person who is hated by God. You see that as a person who is loved desperately. When you go and you see the pride parades and you see uh, homosexual men and women in, in various, you know, different dresses and mixed up 
genders and all kinds of stuff going on, rather than seeing as something that God hates, you see a person that God loves and wants to mark and seal and hold. It changes everything. And that's the invitation of Paul, is not just to see yourself in that light, but to see everybody else. And it's so important for us to get that square as we start reading this book. I feel like there was something you were going to say after that that was so good, and I can't remember <laughs> what it was. I think we're good. I think we can also know that it's a we, because you're saying it's all people that are predestined, because as you read Ephesians, Paul is writing to both Jews and non-Jews. So I think right here when he's saying we, he means all of the people that I'm writing to. Mm -hmm. So I think that's, that's a huge part of the we. The he's we. setting this up. Yeah. I think it's interesting because if you really do believe that people are predestined, I was reading this book, and I think it was, I can't remember what denomination, but she said, like, we don't share the gospel. And I was like, wow, that is really different. They don't share the gospel with other people because they believe that you'll come to it if you're supposed to come to it because you're predestined. God will come and find you. And so they don't have the responsibility of sharing their faith. And I just, I, I just wasn't really, I'd never heard of it before. And I also don't think it quite lines up with sharing your faith <laughs> with X. It's both. Yes, it is both. God will pursue and through maybe us. His goodness is coming after us, and sometimes he's coming after other people through us. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we've been doing reading this little book called God, Seeking God's Face. This is a little tiny one. Staff, I'll have them. Uh, there's bigger ones or smaller ones. The council have them. We read these um, at all of our council meetings, and there's a daily devotion. We've talked about it a few times. Really encourage you to pick one of these up. So good. And... Um, it's rooted in theology and scripture and the creeds and all kinds of stuff. You read scripture and pray, and it's got prayer points. And this one stuck out to me a few weeks ago, and it was actually out of this passage. And um, it's, it's a prayer, and I thought it would be a great way to close, uh, to do that and to sing a song, because we like to sing to close. So do you want to do the prayer while me and the worship team get ready to sing the song? Okay. It's right here. Oh. It's on the screen, too. All right. So this prayer is based on Ephesians 1, 3 through 10. Eternal God, the staggering truth that I was loved in Christ Jesus before the foundation of the world dwarfs my imagination. While I cannot fathom it, let this truth bring me to my knees in gratitude that I may wholly love you who first so greatly loved me. But it's not only about me. You will unite all things in Christ. What a plan. What a God. Amen. <laughs>